0: Good morning, High Point. Great to be streaming with you online today, wherever you're watching from. So great to have you part of High Point online today. It's a great day uh, to to be able to worship God together. We're in a series called Don't Give Up, and I want to encourage you to go ahead and get your Bible ready. Uh, if you've got it on your phone or on a device, I would even encourage you to get uh, a paper Bible right now and get ready for us to get into the Word together. I want you to come with some expectation today uh, as we continue in our series uh, this morning. As you're turning your Bible to Genesis 25, I want to take you back 10 years to 2010. Um, I don't know if you recall, but there was a a mining disaster that happened in the great nation of Chile uh, in 2010. And there were 33 miners that were stuck underground in a mining accident. 2,300 feet below the surface of the earth, we've got a cave in and men are stuck with with nowhere to go. Uh, And they're stuck in this cave for 69 years. Days. Okay. Now, for most of you, you've experienced some kind of quarantine or some measure of sheltering in place, and it's been roughly about the same amount of time. Only you've been able to experience it. I'm going to go ahead and assume most of you have been able to experience it in in the measure of a comfortable home. Imagine having to spend all of this quarantine or this sheltering time uh, together in a cave. With very little light, if at all, with very little food and very little water, that's where we find ourselves in 2010. And if you read any of the biographies or any of the stories uh, regarding uh, what the account that took place, uh, many people aren't aware of a gentleman by the name of Jose Enriquez, who was one of the miners who was trapped. And Jose was a pastor. There's a miner by vocation, a pastor on the weekends, and the other miners knew that he was a man of faith. And when the cave-in took place, they looked to Jose underneath the ground to lead them. They looked at Pastor Jose, and when I say looked, it was very dark, uh, but they could hear each other's voices, and they asked him to pray. And he said, if we're going to pray, we're going to pray right. And you can read about the account in the biography. He says, if we're going to pray, you're going to come over here and you're going to pray with me and we're going to pray on our knees. And in his words, he says, Father, we aren't the best of men, but we're men who need you. We're sinners. Have pity on us. And these men, day after day, began to listen to this pastor 2,300 feet below the surface of the earth. For 69 days, he began to preach and he began to pray. Many times the account says that they they couldn't see anything, but they they heard the sound of his voice. And over the course of two months underground, many of these men, the, 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 the book says, the biography says that 22 men put their faith in Jesus. God rescued them in a miraculous way. All of them were saved at the end of 69 days. But I want you to hear this. There's something about a desperate moment. There's something about that dark night of the soul that causes you to get desperate for God and to cry out for Him, to ask Him to move. We need those moments even though we don't like those moments or want those moments but i want to share this with you that divine opportunity often appears in the shadow of great distress i say that one more time divine opportunity often appears in the shadows of great distress what's distressing you today is there divine opportunity waiting behind it i am praying and expectant that there is today, literally today, as you're watching this, wherever you're watching from. Turn to Genesis 25. We're going to read about someone who got desperate, who found himself in distress, cries out to God or has a moment with God where he wrestles with God, and we see how God moves powerfully in his life. And I believe he can move powerfully in yours as well. The the, the figures at hand are Jacob and Esau. Genesis 25, verse 27 through 28. As the boys grew up, Esau became a skillful hunter. He was an outdoorsman. But Jacob had a quiet temperament, preferring to stay at home. Isaac loved Esau because he enjoyed eating the wild game Esau brought home. But Rebekah loved Jacob. So Esau is this brawny, uh, this brawny type. The Bible says he literally had hairy arms. He was a hunter. He's tough. And Isaac loved spending time with Esau and eating the stew that he made while Jacob was a bit more reserved. He liked to stay at home. Uh, Your Bible might say that he spent time among the tents and Rebecca loved it. Now, these terms can be offensive nowadays, but, but, but. Jacob might be referred to as kind of the the mama's boy type, you know, and, and Esau would be referred to as the man's man type, right? And Esau was the oldest son, which means that in ancient times, he is entitled to the birthright that an older son is entitled to. And he's also entitled to the family blessing that comes from being the firstborn son. Jacob isn't entitled to any of that because he's the younger of the two. Jacob's name means deceiver. And Jacob, wanting the blessing and wanting the birthright, begins to fulfill the very name that he's been given. He begins to deceive. And he deceives his father and he deceives his brother and he gains the birthright and he gains the family blessing. Now for you and I, neither of these terms mean a whole lot. But in ancient times... This, these two things have the ability to, to inform the trajectory of your life. They are an incredibly important and defining moment. And In fact, in ancient times, to receive the blessing and the birthright was considered not only legally but spiritually binding. You could not undo this. So when Jacob deceives his father and deceives his brother and receives both the blessing and the birthright, there's no undoing it. And you can imagine when the truth comes up and the, and the, 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 the trickery is revealed, Esau goes into a rage. The Bible says in chapter 27, verse 42, that Rebekah, his mother, heard about Esau's plans. So she sent for Jacob and told him, listen, Esau's consoling himself by plotting to kill you. So listen carefully, my son, get ready and flee to my brother Laban in Haran. What is it that Jacob does? He runs. What is it that Jacob's mother encourages him to do? To strap on your running shoes and get going. And this is the pattern we see throughout Jacob's life. He deceives He schemes, he tricks, and then when the moment of conflict comes, he runs. In the moment of distress, he's out of here. What do you do in times of distress? Chances are, you're probably a lot like Jacob. I know I am. We would prefer to run more often than not than deal with the real challenges that exist in our heart. We call this fight or flight. I'll add another one: freeze. Fight, flight, or freeze. Some people uh, they get paralyzed in the moment of distress. They don't know what to do, and they just freeze. They lock up. They can't make any decision. Some people become overly aggressive, right, and they fight it out. Uh, But most people flight. Most people run. They avoid conflict. They avoid pain. They do anything they can not to face it. But there are moments that God brings us to where you are stuck with nowhere to go and nowhere to run like a cave 2,300 feet below the surface of the earth where you can't go anywhere and you have to deal with what's going on in your heart. We're not done with Jacob. Because he gets, to, he gets to, to his uncle's house in Haran. This is a powerful story in the Bible. and He lives there for, for 15, 16, close to 20 years. And this is where he builds a family. This is where he builds his wealth. But all the while, the schemer named Jacob is also scheming his uncle. He schemed to get the blessing out of his, out of his brother. He schemed to get the blessing from his father. He schemes his uncle to get ahead and get blessing there as well. And so he builds his wealth. And again, when the moment comes and the conflict boils to the surface, Jacob straps on his running shoes and he bolts. Chapter 31, verse 31. Laban catches up to to Jacob after Jacob has run in basically the middle of the night. And he says, well, why, why did you run away? And Jacob says, I rushed away because I was afraid, Jacob answered. As you're watching today, what are you afraid to face? What causes you to run today? What are you running from? What are you running from right here, right now? See, Jacob, he's run, he's run from his brother. He's run from his father. He's deceived his uncle. He's deceived his uncles, his cousins. He's deceived everybody. And now he's, he's taking his family and all his possessions through this territory. And on one side is his uncle Laban, who he's just recently deceived. And on the other side is his brother Esau who he hasn't seen in 16, 17, 18 years. And Esau gets the memo that Jacob is back in town. And this is what we find ourselves reading in the Bible, Genesis 32, 6 through 7. After delivering the message, uh, the messengers returned to Jacob and they reported, we met your brother Esau. And he's already on his way to meet you with an army of 400 men, exclamation point. Esau's coming and he has got 400 people and they're on their way. What do you think Jacob was doing? How do you think Jacob felt? He's deceived his brother. He's deceived his uncle. He's deceived his father. He's deceived his cousins. And ultimately, he's deceived himself. The Bible says that Jacob, verse 7, was terrified at the news. So you know what Jacob does? Jacob does what all of us do. He gets prepared to run again. And he divides his family and his possessions into two camps. And he's waiting to see which camp his brother will attack so that he can kind of slip out the back door to the other camp that's not being attacked and he'll escape there. He's literally watching and waiting And this is where we find ourselves in this moment where Jacob can't run anymore. God puts his finger on him and he has no place else to go. It's like he's stuck. I got Laban on one side, Esau on the other, and God knocking down the door right in front of me. So this is what happens. Genesis 32, 22 through 28, during the night. Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two servants, his two servant wives and his 11 sons and crossed the Jabbok River with them. After taking them to the other side, he sent over all his possessions. This left Jacob all alone in the camp and a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. When the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of its socket. Then the man said, Let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go until you bless me. What is your name, the man asked. He replied, Jacob. Your name will no longer be Jacob. From now on, you will be called Israel because you have fought with God and with men and have won. Your Bible might say that you have overcome. There is a wrestling that Jacob has to have with God. There's a wrestling that has to happen. And I'm telling you right now, there is a a wrestling that you have to make also. The propensity for all of us is to run. And in this situation, the thing that Jacob is running from more than anything else is who God has called him to ultimately be. There is a courage that is required, a a grit of not giving up that all of us have to have to fully step into the identity and the destiny that God has called us to. And I don't mean your vocation or your job. I mean the transformation that the Holy Spirit does on the inside of you that makes you new. There is a trusting of God that has to take place, a surrendering to God that has to take place. And Jacob finds himself running, 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 and running until he has no place else to run to. And here is where he finally wrestles with God. And he recognizes that this is, not, this is not an ordinary fight. He knows that this is God. In fact, if you read the, the passage after, he says that he, he understands he was face to face with God. So much so that as he's wrestling, God is, God is baiting him in this moment. And he says, "Hey, you know, let go, I'm done fighting with you. The gentle Jacob, the one who's run from the fight, God is setting up and he's trying to draw something out of Jacob and Jacob finally steps up to the plate and he says, I'm not letting go until you bless me. And God's response to him isn't like what you would expect. He doesn't, you know, hmm, 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 and bless him in this moment. He asks a question. He says, what is your name? What's your name? What's happening here? It's the same thing that happens for you and for me. You see, there is a wrestling and a running that's taking place. There is the dark night of the soul. There is the cavern, right, where where there's no place else to go. You can't see. And for the first time, you have to really deal with who you are before a perfect and holy and righteous God. There's a wrestling that takes place and Jacob has deceived and he's twisted and he's schemed in order to get blessing his entire life. He's chased blessing from every place other than the one true place that can actually give blessing and that is his heavenly father. He's tried to get blessing from his dad. He tried getting it through his brother. He tried getting it through his uncle. He's been twisting and scheming because at the end of the day, he doesn't really trust God to bless him. And so he's got a twist and scheme in order to get it. And God puts his finger on this place in his heart. And he draws Jacob into this fight to fully deal with what's going on the inside. But the truth is, you are not any different. And neither am I. There is a fight, there is a a wrestle that has to happen with you and God to deal with the condition of your heart as well. And this is, the series we're in is called Don't Give Up. And I want to encourage you. Sometimes you've got to wrestle through the night with God. You have to be willing to face the darkness. Like the men in the cave who faced the darkness for 69 days. You've got to be willing to face the the painful reality of where you really are. See, some of you have a name. It's not Jacob, but there's another name that's defining you. Maybe the name that defines you is bitter. Maybe the name that defines you is angry, unforgiven, hopeless, abused. There's a host of names that might be the very thing that is stamped on you. And until you are willing to face God in the darkness over it, many times you will live your life running from one thing to the next, trying to get the blessing that you can only get from God the Father. you got to wrestle through it. And that means that, that, that there's a fight that has to happen through the night. It means you've got to pray and you've got to pray and you've got to pray and then you've got to get up and you've got to pray some more. It means you've got to confess the word and you've got to confess that word and you've got to get people around you and then you've got to do it again and then you have to do it again and you have to fight through the night. You've got to press on through. When God is knocking on the door of your heart, you have to have an attitude that is unwilling to let go until God blesses you. An unwillingness to let go until you experience breakthrough. An unwillingness to let go until you experience freedom and you sense a newness of life that God has given you a new name. You are a new creation, the Bible says in Christ Jesus. You're new but sometimes we carry these old things around still and we run and we run and we run. Today is your day to stop running, turn, face God in the night of your soul and deal with who you are and what you've got going on. Give it to him and don't let go in this moment until you experience God's presence. And you experience his power. In preparing for this message, I, I, there's a quote that came to mind and I haven't been able to shake it and I want to share it with you. The quickest way for anyone to reach the sun and the light of day is not to run west, chasing after the setting sun, but to head east, plunging into the darkness until one comes to the sunrise. This morning, you might have to face some things in your heart, but I have great news for you. Number one, Jacob got a new name, and God uses him to change the history of the entire world. But even David writes in Psalm eighteen twenty eight that you, Lord, keep my lamp burning. My God turns my darkness into light. Let's pray. Father, I thank you in this moment that you sent your son jesus that we might experience new life in you changed forever and lord while we're not necessarily giving us an actual new name you still redefine who we are you make us new and you change the things that once defined us and you define us as your son as your daughter You are our heavenly Father. Today, Lord, we give over. We surrender to you the things that we have have, given our lives to for definition. God, that we've been holding on to. We hand you bitterness today. We hand you anger today. We hand you hopelessness today. God, give us faith instead. Give us hope instead. Give us love Today, Lord Jesus, I thank you that you take the darkness and you turn it to light. Would you move powerfully in our lives this morning and today? Amen. Amen. Wherever you're watching from, wherever you're streaming from, I'm thankful that you joined us today. We're praying for you. We are expectant for God to move in your life. Amen. Amen. Have a great week. Thank you for streaming High Point online, and we'll see you right here next week.